Sports is an entertainment business. An entertainment business is a talent-driven business. Ask just about any sports executive to sum up the sports business, and they'll say that. The professional sports market in the United States was worth about $60 billion in 2014, and according to Forbes, it's expected to reach $73 billion by 2019. Chump change, it most certainly is not. I'm Patrick Verrill, and today my guest is Mark Conrad, director of the Sports Business Concentration at Fordham's Cabelli School of Business. This is the first year that Chief Wahoo is absent from the Cleveland Indians uniform, but fans will still be able to buy merchandise with his image at the team's gift shop. What do you think? Smart move or just delaying the inevitable? Well, it is delaying the inevitable in a certain sense because you've seen a gradual uh, transition away from that symbol uh, that was seen and the uniforms in other kinds of stadium-type functions. And certainly in the media, you've not seen it as you used to see it either, which is a fortunate thing because Native American groups have demonstrated for years against that symbol and the depiction that the symbol seems to infer about Native Americans. Uh, and according to them, it was quite offensive. So I think this was an, a nice or a diplomatic way to segue away from the use of that particular logo. And I suspect in the next few years, it will be eliminated in entirely. So right now, it can only be sold and bought in merchandise in the Cleveland area. Major League Baseball is not going to handle any merchandise nationwide with that particular symbol. As of this recording, the NCAA's March Madness is in full swing. And every year, there's this talk about how athletes are being taken advantage of because they're technically you know, amateurs, basically. Do you see any movement on this issue? I think there's significant movement on this issue. And I think in the next two to three years, there'll be more movement on this issue. This is the beginning of a revolution because we're finally realizing that with all the revenues that the NCAA makes in its men's basketball tournament, it is really ludicrous to consider these players who are the labor force for this tournament, the labor force that doesn't get compensated when the coaches do, the media people do. The television networks pay the NCAA huge rights fees uh, to see that. Uh, advertisers advertise on this um, for this particular broadcast and series of broadcasts. So this is really something that it's getting to be manifestly unfair because the labor force is paid basically nothing when you're dealing with elite men's college basketball. There have been a number of cases in the courts that have challenged this arrangement on antitrust grounds, and there's been some liberalization uh, regarding some of the student compensation already. And also in the football area, the conferences seem to be taking over control over big-time uh, college football, uh, and the NCAA sort of surrendered that, and surrendered that for many years. Just as an example of how ludicrous this can be is that the University of Central Florida uh, denied eligibility to a student who had a, a, a YouTube uh, page, and he did various creative projects on YouTube and did get some advertising revenue, which had nothing to do with basketball, and he launched a First Amendment lawsuit against the University of Central Florida, which is a public institution, saying that it violates his free speech rights. What I think would be the easiest thing to do is allow students to make endorsement deals, allow students to engage in uh, 
outside activities that could be somewhat sports related. And if the universities wish want to um, try to control the money, they could put it in a trust fund. So if the student spends X period of time, or even not, X years later, it, w it would be available to the student. So let's say the student really can get an endorsement deal, or the student wants to teach basketball to someone like me and get paid for it. Why shouldn't the student do that? You know, a music student has every right to do gigs on the side while that person is a music student in a school, and I know many music students who've done that. So why can't a student athlete do the same thing uh, if indeed there is the market for that? On the other hand, I don't think paying players outright as employees would be the way to go simply because it could be very costly and university budgets, athletic budgets, um, often lose money and you have many other sports that don't raise those revenues. And second, to treat someone like an employee is very different than treating them like a student athlete or a student and would pose other kinds of legal issues. Let's talk a little bit about the NFL. Uh, there's been a real increased awareness of concussion-related injuries, and that's been leading to a decrease in boys playing tackle football in many parts of the country. Do you think the league's viability could be affected by a shrinking pool of potential players in the future? Well, the quality of play could and the nature of who the NFL teams could pick could be affected, I, I don't foresee the NFL shutting down because the NFL could certainly get enough of a talent pool because ultimately those players could be deemed as high risk, high reward. You know, they are being compensated, in many cases compensated quite well for what they do, albeit in a very, very short time because the average NFL player only plays about three seasons. And of course, we do know about the serious physical risks that NFL players um, endure by playing that sport. But I do think that the era of like open uh, doors for the NFL to millions of potential uh, kids out there who play in the junior high school or high school level may be receding a little bit. The concussion issue has been a serious issue. Many families are worried about it. And seeing the media reports of these veteran players that many of us know and watched you know, suffering greatly does have a very powerful effect. The NFL's got other challenges to face too. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, where do we start? Uh, the NFL has a problem with its players and its players' union. And I suspect there's a good chance there'll be some kind of concerted action after the end of the present collective bargaining agreement, which is a fancy term for either a strike or a lockout. I think that the players want to change the arbitration system that existed, that one could argue burned Tom Brady and others, because it is very unusual that the commissioner can be the arbitrator or the commissioner can appoint somebody to be the arbitrator when many of us learn that arbitrators should be independent and have no conflict of interest. It's a very, very bizarre system that came about, and I, I think that the players are really going to want to change that. Uh, that's one thing. The second, of course, are the concussion protocols, which are really more for the veteran players, and the NFL settled uh, a, a lawsuit uh, by thousands of former players regarding medical care for their injuries that arguably resulted from concussions, and that's been slow to get off the ground. There is a billion-dollar fund over many, many years, but apparently it's been a slow process, and we have to see how indeed that plays out. 
Indeed, I think the issue of television rights will be will be something to watch because the NFL's main TV deals are expiring in a few years. Although the recent deal with Fox for Thursday night broadcast of a billion dollars uh, over um, five years is a pretty astounding deal, much higher than the prior deals. So certainly there are still broadcasters out there that are willing to pay big bucks for the NFL. And finally, of course, the political issues, you know, the whole Cope Colin Kaepernick effect uh, has been controversial and some say has hurt ratings in the NFL, while others say the quality of play this season has hurt ratings in the NFL. Uh, I'm not here to judge one way or the other, but I think it cannot be good uh, that a lot of people felt that the game got politicized. On the other hand, I would say that the president exacerbated the situation by bringing up the issue a number of times when indeed it seemed to be fading. And I think it's almost a normal human reaction to say, well, you attack us by saying that, well, we may just continue doing this sort of thing. But in the long run, it may not be good for anyone because I suspect that the goal that uh, the kneeling issue has uh, sought has already um, been passed. Uh, at this point, we, we understand the issues and uh, do you keep doing this or not? And I think that's something that we'll have to see what happens the next season. Before we started recording this, you, we were talking a little bit about the NFL and how about five, six years ago, it seemed like the league was invincible. And you had said that when you teach this, the class on the subject, that your syllabus is often out of date by the end of the semester. Is there something inherent about this business that's so chaotic? Sports is an entertainment business. An entertainment business is a talent-driven business. Ask just about any sports executive to sum up the sports business, and they will say that. It's a talent-type business that has a lot of similarities to entertainment because you're dealing with personal services. People are paying money to watch individuals perform. They're not paying money to buy a chair. It's a very different kind of arrangement. So in a sense, it's very fluid because you're dealing with human beings performing. Second, it is very technologically driven and changes in technology uh, as it is with entertainment also involves sports, the delivery systems, content providers, dissemination of various kind of um, benefits, uh, technologies become very, very important in sports because there's a lot of money in, involved in that. So I suspect that's also a reason why it's so dynamic. And three, there's awful, often a lot of law that goes into sports because the courts are very, very busy. Uh, this is an endeavor that's followed by tens of millions of people. There's great interest. And even something like the Supreme Court ruling that in effect – Sports gambling can be legalized in much of the country, in, in which is possible, could have a very big effect starting almost immediately as a number of states may pass laws that will allow sports gambling. At this point, point only uh, Nevada has open sports books. That is likely or may very well likely change. And then you create a very new business. What about gambling at the arenas? How much money do the states take? How much money do the leagues take? Jobs for analytics specialists because gambling is based on analytics and probabilities. So you create a new industry overnight. 
Another uh, major issue, of course, are drugs, PEDs, and all the international attention that's occurred there and the controversies going on, as well as the trials involving FIFA executives or former FIFA executives, which may not end because there are a number of investigations going on regarding the governance of international sports federations. Uh, this is an area that you know, is not going to get stale.